Romans 12 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And we we just encourage you this morning that whatever you walked in with that's inhibiting you from just breaking out loose, that this morning in Jesus' name, you're going to be set free and set loose as we continue to worship this morning. We ask God to just open up the heavens and flood us with his Holy Spirit. you're doing that, would you uh, shake the hands or high five or just wave at somebody that's next to you this morning and welcome them to church. Good morning. 
turn to somebody and say, it's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Your friend. 
that he is worthy of your praise. Listen, when we came in here this morning, uh, there just seemed to be something different. Uh, When I walked through those doors at something before 9 o'clock this morning, it just seemed like that there was something in the air. And, And then as I began to think about it, I thought, you know what? It's because we understand and we should know that when we come in this place together, this is a place of life. This is not a place that that we come just to to do our thing. But this is a place that we come to to worship our risen Savior. You know, two weeks ago, we celebrated the resurrection of Jesus. Can I tell you that two weeks later, He's still alive. Two weeks later, He is still sitting on the right hand of God, making intercession for you and for me. And for that, that's reason enough to celebrate. That's a reason enough to rejoice. I told them between services, I said, that second song was the closest your pastor's ever come to just running. And somebody said, I'll pay you to do it. I just want to see it. I think I got a couple people that stuck around for both services, just hoping. But when we start thinking about that, and we think about how that he makes dead things come to life. He makes dead things come to life to life it's a reason to celebrate can we give him another hand clap of praise this morning as you're seated hallelujah thank you jesus thank you jesus hallelujah you can be seated we want to thank you for your continual giving uh we have uh boxes at the back for giving and you can give online and and i just want to thank you from the from the bottom of my heart uh, for your continual support and for your obedience to God. And, and because we understand that, that there are people out there who need to know that, that there's a God that loves them and, and that there's a church that's, that cares. And we're already uh, starting to plan some things for the summer. Uh, I believe uh, the June the 2nd, uh, Kids Church is planning a, a big family event out in the uh, parking lot with inflatables. And, and we want to be able to market that to the community. Uh, If you go out and stand uh, on these front steps or you stand in in this parking lot or that parking lot or in that parking lot, you can look around and see hundreds of people who need to know that God loves them. And they need to know that within walking distance of their house, there's a church where they can come and dead things in their life can come alive. And so I thank you for your giving because it's only through your giving that we're able to do that. And uh, we appreciate it. So for the last two weeks, on Easter, we started a a series that we entitled uh, Baggage. And we begin to look at things in our life that that we carry around, things that that weigh us down, things that we don't have to carry. And so on Easter, we looked at how freeing it is if you're going on a trip to be able to walk up to the ticket counter to take your bags, put them on that little scale, and then be done with them. You don't have to carry them through the the airport. You don't have to to do anything like that. You can walk through the airport free because you checked your bags. And we talked about how there's things in our life that, that we carry around when in reality, all we have to do is just walk up to the ticket counter and say, God, here they are. Here they are. You can have them. I don't want to deal with them anymore. I want to be free. I want to walk through life in freedom. And so we talked about checking our bags. And, and, and when we do that, we don't, have to, we don't have to worry. 
I mean, if you're carrying your bags through, through the airport, you're having to, to make sure that, that they're always with you. You're having to make sure that they fit in that compartment that they want you to shove it in to make sure that, that you've paid for the right kind of bags. Or you have to, to, to stuff them overhead or try to shove them under the seat. You don't have to live that way. God said, give it to me. And last week, we, we began to look at and we talked about how that every one of us have relational pain. We believe, in, and it, it is true, relationships are necessary, they're important, and they're rewarding. They're necessary, they're important, and they're rewarding. But the reality is, is that when you're having relationship and you're in a relationship, that involves people. Relationship with your dogs don't count, I'm sorry. It involves people. And the reality is, is when people are involved, the possibility of getting, getting wounded is real. The possibility of being hurt by your family or by friends, or it's real. And, and we talked about last week how that God specializes in healing the brokenhearted and bandaging up wounds. And God wants to do that for you. You don't have to, to, to walk around emotionally scarred. God says, I want to heal you. Today, I want to look at a, another aspect, another type of baggage that so many of us carry. That's guilt. Guilt. So many people struggle with feeling guilty. Maybe... It's a situation that you view God the wrong way. You've been convinced growing up that, that God is a really big God and that you're a really small person and that he is mad at you. I hope this is not the case, but some of you may have had a mean Sunday school teacher. And she was a miserable person, or he. And they loved telling you that hell was hot and that if you didn't sit down in the chair and be quiet, that that's where you were headed. I hope that's not you. But you've been raised thinking that God is keeping score of everything you do wrong. Guilt is like a, a self-imposed prison. And we put ourselves there and we're trying to pay our debt back to God. Can I tell you that you can't pay it back? But what happens is, you, you ever had a bill and you're paying it every month and it seems like you pay it every month, but the balance just keep, keeps getting higher? It's called interest. But that's the way it is with God. Sometimes we think that, that we, and it becomes tiring. And you get so tired because you're trying to, to fix your life without God and it becomes so exhausting but in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. So we have this guilt, and we're trying to pay it back, and it's so tiring, we're exhausted. And Jesus says, Come to me, and I will give you rest, but we do the exact opposite. We run away from God. Guilt will spend everything that you have. Psalm chapter 38, verse 4 
tells us what guilt will do. It says, my guilt overwhelms me. It is a burden too heavy to bear. You see, we go through life and we make mistakes. Anybody ever made a mistake? All right. Some of you made a mistake by not raising your hand. We go through life, we make mistakes, and and when we do, we feel as if we failed. And we feel like there is absolutely nothing that we can do about it. Throughout the Bible, there are story after story of people who, and heroes of the faith, who at one point in their life had guilt that was overwhelming them. They couldn't do what God was asking them to do because they felt so guilty, so burdened down. Now, Scripture, is, it's clear, and it will tell you of the good things that these heroes of faith did. But what I love about Scripture is it doesn't leave out the bad. I mean, you would think that if, if we're trying to, to, to paint David in a, in a way that he was a man after God's own heart, if he was the, the greatest king or the greatest warrior, that we would have left out all of his bad stuff. But the Bible doesn't do that. The Bible is sure to allow us to know that he had issues. He had problems. And nothing is by mistake. Because I believe God wants you to know that David did something great for God, But there were times that he wrote that his guilt was overwhelming him. And what happens is, is that when we have that guilt, we become stuck. In the book of Genesis, we can see what it was and how that God and what he wanted with us. He wanted to to be able to, to walk around. He wanted us to have a relationship with him. And Adam and Eve, that's what they were doing. They were having a relationship with God. There was no regret. Nothing was hidden. They, they had this innocent relationship, and it was, it was childlike. But then guilt moved in. They made a mistake, and they went from a childlike faith, and they became childish. They started blaming each other. If you have kids, you know what I'm talking about. It was them. No, it was them. No, they did this. They did that. That's what Adam and Eve were doing. I mean, Adam, I mean, he was bold. He blamed the woman and God. He said, it was the woman that you gave me. And then Eve was the very first one in the Bible that said, the devil made me do it. So they were walking around. They had no shame. And that's the way God wants it to be with us. He wants our relationship with him to be childlike, not childish. Now, let's think for a moment about a a child. A a child is is so innocent. They're so cute. I think back to our wedding. And we had this ring bearer who just happened to be my cousin. And he comes down the aisle and his pants are falling down. His suspenders are hanging. His shirt's untucked. And I'm sitting there thinking... Get your act together, buddy. I know you're three, but this is an important day. And then he comes up, and and the church had, you know, the the steps that came up. You know, you got one and then the other, just real small. He comes, and he decides that during the ceremony that this is going to be a slide. And so he starts sliding down the steps. 
Now, this was back. Now, the, the weddings that I do now, just so you know, if you ask me to marry you, uh, I'm about five minutes max, all right? But now, this was back in the day when we had 37 songs, we had a unity candle, we had all this stuff. And then the pastor, I think it happened to be Christy's dad, and I think he was trying to delay the process because he went on and on and on. And I was thinking, you know, we sang to each other. So during this, I mean, I guess looking back, he, the, my cousin probably had the right. He pulls a car out of his pocket, and he's playing with a matchbox car while we're trying to have this holy ceremony. And so then we're in the line. You know how you, you line up back then? You would line up and everybody would come through. And, and if I heard one more person look at him and said, you did so good, I was thinking, liar! <laughs> he was horrible. I disowned him that day. But I think about that. And why did they say? Why did they say it was, he did a good job? Because he was a child. It's like when your children, you know, sing a solo and they shouldn't be singing. And you say, honey, that was great. Repent. People love it because they're innocent. And God wants us to have a walk like that with him. But what Adam and Eve did when they fell, instead of running to God, they hid. They hid. In reality, when we make a mistake, the only way that we can get rid of that guilt is running to him, not away from him. When they really needed to be close to God, they were trying to get as far away as they could. We feel the same way and we do the same thing, but God wants us to be free from that. Galatians chapter 5 verse 1 says, so Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in the slavery to the law. This says that God has set you free. Don't get tied up again. God has set you free. Stop thinking about that thing from the past. Stay free. As a pastor, I get the opportunity and the joy of getting to, to, to talk with people who God has changed their lives. But a lot of times they will say this, they'll say, pastor, I believe that God loves me. Pastor, I believe that God has forgiven me of my sins. But there's this one thing when I was younger, or there was this thing before I came to Christ, and it haunts me every day of my life. I just can't get past it. And that's what happens when guilt gets a hold of you. I mean, some of you are here today, if you were being 100% honest, I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hand, so don't get nervous. But some of you are here today because you think that you need to catch up. I mean, you look and you think, man, I wasn't there last week and I wasn't there the week before and I wasn't there the week before. Oh, no, I was here on Easter. Uh, I, I wasn't there. And you begin to think and you think, man, I've got to come to church because I have to catch up. And then there's others who are here and you're saying, I want to come to church because it's a place where dead things come to life. 
I want to come to church because I want to worship our risen Savior. I want to come to church because I want to have relationship and fellowship with other believers that I can do life with. We do it in our devotions. Some of us knock the dust off our Bible, open it up, read, and then you get past the verse and you look up and you say, God, that's one verse. It's two verses. You watching this, God? I'm catching up. This is what I'm supposed to do, right? And then others of us, we open the Bible and we say, this word is living. And I have a God that wants to speak to me and wants to talk to me and wants to know me, that wants to have a relationship with me. Some people can't get enough of it. We live our lives a lot of times motivated out of guilt. And there's some contributing factors that will keep you in bondage. Uh, the first thing is painful regret. Painful regret. Now, one of the things that I tell in my wedding ceremonies, and I read the passage of Scripture that says, love keeps no record of wrongs. And I look at the bride and the groom, the bride's family and the groom's family, and I say, love keeps no records of wrongs. Because let me tell you, we're good at keeping score. We are so good at keeping score. Huh? You do something and say, yep, there it is, just like 12 years ago. Just like that time that you fill in the blank. Just like that time that, and we're keeping score. We all have things that we regret, but God doesn't keep score. God doesn't keep score. We, we look through the Bible and, and we see Paul. Now, if you know the story of Paul and you read the story throughout the New Testament of Paul, you will see that there were all kinds of things that he could re have regretted. And there probably were all kinds of things that he did regret. In Acts chapter 7, verse 54 through 58, we read an encounter of something that probably weighed heavy on Paul. It says, the Jewish leaders were infuriated by Stephen's accusation. And they shook their fists at him in rage. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed steadily into heaven and saw the glory of God. And he saw Jesus standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. And he told them, look, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. Now, sometimes we just blow through the Bible and we don't realize that, that there are some funny things in here. If you can picture this, here you have these guys, they're in their robes and, and they're living all religious and, and they're upset, at, they're infuriated at Stephen because of the way that he's acting and the, and the freedom that he has. And he begins to tell them, look, I can see him now. And it says, then they put their hands over their ears like a six-year-old and begin shouting, I can't hear you. And they rushed at him. And they dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. 
His accusers took off their coats and laid them at the feet of a young man named Saul that we later know as Paul. And so here he is, a young man. And he watches the coats of the people who are stoning a follower of Christ to death. If anybody had the right to feel guilty, if anybody had the right to, to, to waller in his self-pity, and his mistakes, it would have been Paul. Paul probably thought, I don't measure up. I've messed up too much. I've hurt too many people. And so he had all of that. But another thing that he had was an encounter with God. And when he had that encounter with God, his life changed. His life changed. Because no longer he had this painful regret. But another contributing factor to our feeling of guilt is that we hold on to it. We hold on to it. We will not let it go. Paul could have held on to this guilt and we'll look at how he responded just in a few minutes. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. We do not give this verse enough thought. It says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. Anyone who comes to Christ, anyone who belongs to Christ is a new person. One version says, the old things have passed away and all things become new. Why is it that, that with us, we just, we can't live out this verse? We can't grasp the fact we hold on to the guilt. I mean, it's true. The facts say that you did something wrong. The facts may be that you failed. But you take those feelings and you mix them with condemnation and guilt. And here's what happens. The enemy tells you you're a failure. We'll just use the example of lying. Let's say that you lied about something. Now, if you're a follower of Christ and you lie about something, the Holy Spirit is going to convict you. That's a good thing. I was at some place yesterday and somebody was going to charge me a lot less than what I knew I was supposed to pay. And I had that split second that thought, I'm four hours from home. They'll never find me. And the Holy Spirit said, don't you do it. But if we lie about something, the Holy Spirit will convict us. And even if we do it, then the Holy Spirit will begin to convict us. So, you know, don't lie anymore. Be honest about it. Come clean. Go back and tell them. But condemnation and guilt and the enemy will tell you this. You're a liar. You'll always be a liar. You know how you are. You aren't serving God. You're nothing. You're a failure. You've failed God. And when you don't allow God to forgive and to cover your sins, 
Listen, your sins are going to be paid for. One way or another, your sins will be paid for. You're either going to, to let God pay for them or you're going to pay for them with your guilt. And some of us are, are, feel so guilty about our mistakes that every day we are paying for that. It affects our health. It affects everything around us. The better solution is to let God pay for them. Because listen, we serve a God and we have a Christ that is good at forgiving people. I mean, we look back in all his pain on the cross, everything that he went through, when his friends had forsaken him, when he had been beaten, and when he was hanging there, in all of his pain, what were some of his very last words? Father, forgive them. Listen, he wants to do the same thing to you. But we run away from God. And we run away from them because we don't truly comprehend that he wants to forgive us. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. says, each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weaknesses. So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. You see, we all have things in our life that we regret. But we have to understand that we cannot earn forgiveness. This verse says it's his grace. It's what we need. His grace is the only way. You can't, it's not by works. It's through his grace. But we have these things in our life and then we, we hide because we're trying to fix it on our own. Romans chapter 11, verse six. Once again, this is Paul. He said, and since it's through God's kindness, then it's not by their good works. For in that case, God's grace would not be what it really is, free and undeserved. It doesn't cost you anything. and You don't deserve it. That's what grace is. God is trying to tell you. Paul is trying to tell you, listen, I don't deserve the grace that I've received. But I didn't pay anything for it. And he gave it to me anyway. It's not based on what you've done. It's based on the fact that he paid the price. I mean, a lot of us have been, have been raised to believe that we have to earn his forgiveness we think that, that, that because of our mistakes that we owe God. Can I tell you, you can't pay him back. You can't pay him back. When we give our hearts to God, I've watched it, it happened in my life, even at a young age, and, and I've watched and I've been able to watch people and talk to people who, who have asked for forgiveness and they've, they've confess Christ. And, and when you do that, it feels like in that moment, it feels like the weight of the world has been lifted from you. There's something that you know that has changed in your life. But then you know what happens? Life. Life happens. And we're going through life. And, and, and so over the course of time, we begin to, to lose our zeal. We begin to, to lose our excitement. We, we lose our joy. And it's because we're going through life and we make mistakes 
And then we start taking on weight. And it's weighing us down. And in that moment, we forget that God has paid the price. In that moment, we forget that he wants a relationship with us now. You know, in Romans chapter 7, Paul was very honest. Paul said, why is it that I do the things I don't want to do and I don't do the things that I know I should? He said, it makes me like a prisoner. We learned in the first week, that's like baggage. I believe in chapter 7, Paul is thinking back to all of those times that he messed up. He's thinking about all of those things in his life that, that he, he did have some regret for. But in the last verse of chapter 7, he says, who's going to rescue me from all of this? Who's going to rescue me from my past? Who's going to rescue me from my guilt and my shame? And then he says, thanks be to Jesus Christ, our Lord. There's nothing like putting down the guilt. There's three things that putting down the guilt will do. Number one, it will change how you relate to people. Make no mistake, guilt changes your relationship with people. Guilt will hurt your relationships, in your marriage, in your friendships. It will hurt everything. It will hurt your relationship at work, with your boss, with your coworkers. I mean, Adam and Eve had it all. They, they loved each other. Everything was perfect. But one day, when guilt became part of the equation, they started pointing fingers. And we do the same thing. Romans chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, Paul says, You may think you can condemn such people, but you're just as bad. And you have no excuse. When you say they are wicked, you should be punished. You are Condemning yourself for who judges others do these very same things. Verse 3. Since you judge others for doing these things, why do you think you can avoid God's judgment when you do the same things? You say, that's a, that's a lot of words in three verses. What Paul is saying is, is that we carry guilt, we have mistakes, we carry guilt, and, and we take that and we put it on other people. We take that and we become less forgiving. Why is that? Because if I'm miserable, I want you to be miserable. Let's be honest. So we take our guilt, we take the things that we struggle with, and, and we put them on other people. But can I tell you, that when you free yourself from that guilt, when you put down that weight, it will change the way that you interact with people. It will change the way that you deal with people. You will become more forgiving. Why? Because you understand that the freedom that you have, the freedom that Christ has given you, that they can have it as well. We stop casting our guilt on other people. It changes our relationships with people. The second thing that it does is it changes how we relate to God. It changes how we relate to God. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. 
It says we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he was seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. The Amplified Version says he went to the cross to destroy shame. He went to the cross to destroy shame. You want your relationship with the change with the way that you relate to God? Understand that God isn't somebody who is sitting in heaven just waiting to strike you down for something that you've done wrong. Christ endured the cross to initiate and perfect our faith. You begin to think to God in that aspect. It changes your relationship with him. Because you understand that he loves you. You understand that that you're not being punished for something that you've done. You realize that he wants a relationship with you. It makes all the difference in the world. You go from God being a maybe a dictator in your mind to God being a friend that'll stick closer than any brother. He said, just lay down the guilt. Realize that I love you. Realize that I've paid the price. Thirdly, it changes how you're used by God. Changes how you're used by God. Let's go back to Paul for a minute. In chapter seven, Paul is struggling. In chapter 7, Paul is, is thinking about all the things that, he, that he's done in the past and, and, and he's doing all this. And, and then he gets to, to the, third, I think it's the 31st verse when he says, only God can rescue me. And then he starts to write chapter 8. I told you two weeks ago that the only way to combat the lies of the enemy was, were with truth. Can I tell you that Romans chapter 8 is filled with truth? filled with it when I was 20 years old and in seminary doesn't sound right but as I was in college I want to be human as I was in college I had a class on Romans and I'll be honest at 20 years old I hated it I hated the teacher I hated the day of the week it was I hated the time it was But as I've gotten older, by a few years, as I read Romans chapter 8, I realize, man, there's so much truth in it. I mean, he starts out in the very first verse. After he said, who can rescue me? Thanks be to, to Jesus Christ our Lord. And then he says, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Paul is starting to, to deal with his guilt. Paul is starting to say, this is what gets me through. I understand that condemnation is not a thing as a follower of Christ. Then he goes on and he says that we don't have to be fearful slaves because we're not slaves. When we enter into the family of God, we become children of God and he's adopted us as children. Talks about that for a while and then he gets down to to verse 38 and 39. 
This is Paul. The, the person who watched someone be stoned to death. The person who persecuted Christians. The person who had a lot of things and, and probably had a lot of guilt from his past. But he writes this, and I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky, that, that just wasn't enough. He said, I need to elaborate. No power in the sky above or in the earth below, indeed nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is Paul coming and grasping the truth. And I think about, you may not be weird like me, but, but I, I think about, you know, all, like different endings. Reese will tell me sometimes, you know, you can, you know, you, what, these movies, you can like pick your ending. Sometimes I read the Bible and I think, well, what would have happened if? What would it have been like if, if Paul, one of the most influential men in the Bible, what if he would have got to a point and started thinking about all the things in his past and then just stopped? How many people would have never come to know Christ? And we know Paul planted churches all over the place. He helped spread the gospel in so many different places. But what if, what if he would have, instead of dealing with the guilt, instead of writing Romans chapter eight and understanding that it wasn't from God and that he could free himself of it, what if he would have carried that baggage around? What if? The reality is, is that we look at ourselves and say, what if? What if we don't? You say, well, I'm not Paul. Listen, you can be used by God. You can be used by God. Not only can you be used by God, but God wants to use you. We are so guilty of saying, well, God wants to use them, or God wants to use the people on the stage, or God wants to use this person, but not me. But when you understand and you free yourself of the guilt of your past, you can stand and declare, I once was this, but Christ changed all of that. And we can put down the guilt. And then when we do that and we experience that freedom, we start to care about the things that God cares about. You know what God cares about? People who are lost. It's the reason he sent his son. That's what God cares about. People who do not know him as their Lord and Savior. People whose sins haven't been covered by the precious blood of his son. That's what God cares about. But when we carry around guilt, we're not concerned about that because we're hurting too bad. We're hurting too bad. You ever had a, had a pain and it's hurting so bad and then somebody else wants to tell you about their pain? If you're being 100% honest, you're thinking in your mind, I don't care. My back hurts. I don't care that your leg just got cut off. Bandage it up. It's a flesh wound. 
but that happens in our life. We get to a point and we're hurting so bad that we don't have time or the compassion for anyone because we have this guilt. But when you free yourself of it, you start to care about what God cares about. Paul devoted his entire life after he had this encounter with God to seeing the lives of people changed. (laughs) That was going to be my last point. But as I was praying and reading and just asking God what he would have me to to share, I was brought back to an Old Testament passage. It's found in Isaiah chapter 6. It says, Then I said, It's all over. I'm doomed, for I'm a sinful man. I have filthy lips. The people around me have filthy lips. Yet I've seen the King of the Lord of heaven's armies. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. And then it says, with it, he touched my mouth and said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. Your sin is atoned for. He said, once I had an encounter with God, once he cleansed me, God said, your guilt is gone. Your guilt is gone. And if you read verse 8, then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? So here we have, he's been He's went from verse 5 to saying, I'm sinful, I'm a sinner, I have filthy lips. He has an encounter with God. And then the question is asked, who's going to do this work? And he, in just a matter, just one encounter, the whole story changes. And he goes from, I'm unclean, to, to being asked, who's going to do the work? And he stands up and says, here am I, Lord, send me. I'll do it. Why could he do that? Because he understood he had been freed from the guilt of his past. And he stood up and declared, I'll do it. I'll do it. You know, we've been in this location now for uh, over two years. We really can't even count last year because life happened. Life didn't happen. But the sense of celebration that I've felt in this place the last three weeks has really been overwhelming. 
And um, there's been occasions that I have just stood and, and, and encountered some people all around us, around this building. And I begin to understand and realize that we need some people who are stand up. God is saying, who's going to do the work? Who is going to make a difference? Who is going to change the lives of people? Because listen, as much as we would like to think that things are going to get better, if I read this right, I understand that they're not. If I read this right, I understand that every moment that passes, we're that much closer to the coming of the Lord. And I believe that God is wanting to help us get rid of some baggage in our lives so that we can be free. Because when we're free, we can help other people. You ever been We were somewhere this weekend and my daughter had her hands full of baggage, junk. She loves, 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 probably an understatement, stuffed animals. I mean, everywhere we go. And so she's got all these things and she's got all these stuffed animals and, and Christy's hands are full and my hands are full. And we can't help her. Because we're all tied up. So she has her iPad. It's under her arm. And I'm thinking, oh, please don't drop that. I'd love to help you, but I can't. Bam. We held on to the 30-cent stuffed animals, but the iPad is on the ground. When she was struggling like that, I wanted so bad to be able to help her mainly because I didn't want the iPad to break. I wanted to help her in her struggles, but I couldn't. My hands were full. What I'm telling you today is, is that we've got to get rid of some baggage, not just for our sake, but for the sake of those around us because we can't help them if we're lugging everything around ourselves. Don't let the enemy tell you that God doesn't want to use you. If I had time, I would point to every person in here and look at you and say, God wants to use you. God wants to use you. God wants to use you. You say, well, you didn't point me. I'm off the hook. No. God wants to use you. He says, put down the baggage. Get rid of the guilt. Realize that you can be guilt-free and that you can make a difference. I'm going to ask you to stand. I've told you before, and and I'll tell you all the time, that this altar is always open. It's always open. It doesn't matter if, if they're singing. It doesn't matter if I'm preaching. If I'm in the middle of something and you want to come pray, come pray. I can preach over you. 
So that goes for right now too. This altar is open. But I'm not going to give a specific altar call, and here's why. Because I believe that if everyone would respond to what I'm going to say and come forward, we wouldn't have enough room because it is every one of us here. Because at some point in our life, at some level, we've all experienced regret. And we've carried it around. We've carried it around. And there's some of you that that maybe you, you think you've broken free and you start to walk and then just all of a sudden the devil jerks your chain, puts you back to where you were. A few houses down from us, there's a huge dog. And he's on a chain. And it literally scares the life out of me. I know it's coming, but it scares me. Because he's over on this side, and I'm driving, looking down the road, and out of the corner of my eye, I can see this huge dog running toward my car. And he runs, and I promise you, if that's the road, and this is the edge of the road, he runs as hard as he can. He he must be dumb. Because you would think after a couple of times he would understand that he's still on a chain. But he takes off running as hard as he can run. He thinks he's free. And he gets right to that point and then, bam, jerks him back. That's the way the enemy is with you. That's the way he is with me. You may... He'll let you go for a certain amount of time and you think everything's great and then all of a sudden that guilt just falls back up on you and you're just still bound. You know what I'd like to do for that dog? I'd like to go and just take him off that hook. He wants to be free so bad. I mean, let's be honest. He doesn't have much of a life. He's sitting out there. Ain't nobody around. He's on this chain. I'd love just to walk up to that dog. Just say, here, buddy, you're free. Go. Now leave me alone. Don't run into the side of my car or get under my tires, okay? Because he's so big, it would do more damage to my car than it would to him. But I'd like to free him. Can I tell you, God wants to do the same thing to you. He wants to free you. You know what? I'm never going to go free that dog. It's not my right. It's not, it's not my dog. But God can free you. God can loose the chain. And he can say, be free. Enjoy life. Go help people. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray twofold. And wherever you fall in this, I'm going to just, just ask God. Don't, don't just listen to me pray. God wants a relationship with you. I can't pray it for you. I can't pray it on you. You have to want it. You have to do it. But if you have guilt in your life, just ask God to set you free. Take it to him. Check it in and be done with it. And then... The second part of my prayer is going to be that God will allow us to be used by him to reach others. 
Listen, if I hear, if I hear news reports correct, in the very near future, this tape's coming up. And when it comes up, I want this place filled, not from my ego, not so that I can put some numbers on a report somewhere that says we had this many people. If you know me at all, you know that I couldn't care less about that. My heart, or when I look into the eyes of hurting people and I see their hurts and I see their pains and I know that God wants to free them. And he wants to use you to do it. Let's pray. Father, I come before you today. God, I'm so thankful, honored, and privileged to be able to stand here in your presence and declare your truth. God, I'm thankful for every person that has walked through these doors. God, who's watching online or who will watch online. God, I, I do not take it lightly. And Father, I pray today that if there are those here for those here that are struggling with guilt condemnation Father I pray that you allow them to know that they can be free that they don't have to carry that baggage of their past they don't have to hold on to that painful regret God they can be free God my heart breaks when I see people who know that you love them and they know that their sins have been forgiven but the enemy still has them in bondage in prison God my heart breaks Father I pray today God I know that I don't have the power to loose them to set them free but you do Holy Spirit do a work in their lives and in their heart that will change their life forever. God, we want to be changed because we want to be free, but we want to be free because we want to be used by you. God, we want to be able to stand and declare, here am I, send me. God, we want to be free so that we can help those around us. Father, I pray that as you release the chains, God, that you will place in our hearts the desire to make a difference. God, we do not have time to waste. God, we need to have a certain sense of urgency about us. God, we need to take the responsibility of knowing that you're depending on us. You're looking to us to reach a lost and a dying world. God, not with condemnation, but with your love. God, help us to love you and to love others. Father, I can pray all this and believe all of this because I know that you're great. Father, in that, I praise you because of your goodness, because of your grace, because of your mercy. I declare today you're great. 
Can you sing that this morning? Sing with me how great is our God. And oh, we'll see how great, how great is our God. He above all names. thank you for being here today. I pray that not only were you challenged, but I I pray that you're changed. And if you're a guest, thank you so much for being with us. There's nothing that thrills my heart anymore when I see somebody new walk in and then like a vulture. We're glad you're here. We're glad you're with us. And, um, If I didn't get a chance to meet you before, I would love a chance to meet you afterward or just uh, I'll be downstairs. Uh, Two weeks ago, they started doing a song of celebration. And um, so that's why we're going to close today's service uh, as they begin to sing again. You're free to go. Uh, Shake somebody's hand. Oh, no, you can't do that. Hug somebody's neck. No, you can't do that. Uh, Or you can do it. Just I won't look, okay? We love you. Have a great Sunday. Know that God wants to use you. He's not mad at you. And this is your last chance to run.